Radley and many of us once again rethinking how we can reapproach our new normal. Today, we'll be diving into things you should know about our changed new world. I'm Colin Day, Managing Director of EMEA, and you're listening to Octopost's original discussion series. So ladies and gentlemen, it's podcast time. Welcome to this original podcast series brought to you by Octopost. I'm Colin Day, the Managing Director for Octopost um, across EMEA and Asia Pacific, as well as being your host today. I'm joined by a special guest, Sean Mao. Sean's from uh, our good friends over at Market One. Market One are a um, all servicing um, um, marketing um, consultancy company. Like, um, and Sean, you are the strategic um, director um, of, or, or the director of strategic strategies over at uh, Market One. What does that actually mean? That's right. Yeah. So global director of strategy. What does that actually mean? It's a good question. Um, so the, the agency is a niche agency, right? Where marketing has evolved so much from where it began. You, we, we basically address the situation of, look, perhaps the classically trained marketer is a little bit uh, swimming in a lot of unknowns today. Marketing has evolved into something that is very data centric. Um, so software focused, there's a lot of, you know, software management strategies that can be applied, but um, moreover, how do you now measure something that used to be so creative um, and still apply that creativity to the work, but achieve the tangible yields that the business expects, right? Where marketing is such a heavy driving force behind sales now, how do you make that happen? So the niche of market one is targeting B2P enterprises, you know, like fortune 500 customers, um, working on, you know, selling to accounts, long sale, long complex sales, uh, multiple products, an account can be buying many things at once. How do you really tease out signals from the noise within an account list that could be the entire globe? You know, like if you're Cisco, literally every, probably every company is a possible account for you. How do you make that happen? And how do you make data work back for the business to augment marketing rather than make it more complicated? So you. You like data, Sean. Data is a big part of it. I think um, for most marketers today, it, it, it is a thing that needs to be embraced. Certainly. Yeah, no, so my, my marketing team, so my background, I came from a, a large financial technology company called FIS. And uh, my, uh, my marketing operations team, I worked with there, um, a number of guys based over in, uh, in Pune, India. They know who they are. There's a shout out for them. Um, they'll always tell you that I always used to say data is sexy, right? You can, you know, organizations that, that are going to win the day going forward, right? Aren't those that have the most data? A lot of data helps, right? But um, it's not those that have the most data. It's those that are able to take what they've got, right? Interpret it and be able to make um, strategic business decisions off the back of it, right? So that's why I always say data is sexy because you need that data in order to, empower the modern day marketing engine which is really like um, you know driving those leads and and you know that that funnel activity for sales right absolutely see the the thing with data and perhaps this is where many um, individuals get stuck is there's a lot of it as you say and what do you do with that right it's it's very common now for organizations to have data lakes and it's exactly what that sounds like it's literally every source in a single spot but what do you do with that? So 
the, the magic of the work is actually engineering data sets for specific business scenarios, right? So maybe simple example, you want to figure out of all the things that your company tracks, um, how do you figure out of all the activities that are going on, which accounts are most sales ready? And if you can identify a top account list, the most sales ready, maybe that perhaps is your starting point for maybe an ABM initiative. How does marketing then collaborate with sales to target these? What is a good collaboration process? Um, but then also that then begins your hypothesis of, hey, if this is my top account list and I can then pull out within those accounts, what are the buyer groups who are, who are the most sales ready to pass on the sales, but then drive some sort of um, predictive machine learning algorithm to do more for the business. And with that, you can do a lot, right? Uh, but with any sort of uh, AI kind of initiative, it all starts with engineering the data. Um, but, you know, marketing is much more than that. And I know we all know this, it's the, the trend, I shouldn't say the trend. What's meaningful today is actually <laughs> to use that again for the business. And the focal point needs to be customer experience. And I think that's commonly a lost dialogue amongst marketing technology today, because there's so many point solutions that offer great advantages in their very specific silos. But how do you all tie back together? And at the end of the day, marketing is there to serve the customer. So we can't lose sight of that. And, and so how do you manage in this complex world of all this data to actually achieve that, especially in a situation of accounts have thousands of people working there, right? So how do you find out who's doing what, what is actually meaningful to the business and turn these kind of signals and use hypotheses to prove out uh, certain elements to drive the business, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, no, so, so yeah, a heck of a lot to unpack. But look, if I go back to, to Market One itself, right, that global demand generation agency, and I think your tagline is around, you know, delivering quantifiable sales outcomes for your clients. Yeah. What do you, what do you classify as a quantifiable sales outcome? Uh, okay, sorry. So you're saying that you're, you're referencing back to the Market One tagline of quantifiable Yeah, the tagline, yeah, clients. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because um, look, Market One at the end of the day, the, car the target buyer is actually someone who sits in marketing, not sales. So this is why this question is interesting, right? But it also needs to be acknowledged that this is the common difficulty that marketing simply has in the industry, right? Where, <laughs> look, we, we, it's kind of everybody's fault. Let's be real. We let marketing run away for too long of deciding for themselves what is a qualified lead. And I think that definition traditionally has been pretty loose, right? And you send that off to sales. Sales already has their marching orders. Of course, they're compensated on making actual sales. So yep. they're going to work on what they know is going to work for them. They have that experience. What marketing sends over is, is simply a cold lead. Yeah, cold lead. And, and the danger of that is if it's gated by something like a lead scoring solution, that's even worse because you're using automation where you apply some assumptions, let's not even call it business logic, to determine is this someone you should call or not. So until you insert a layer in between to qualify that, and then within the qualification, what is the process thereafter to hand over to ensure that it's good? And the feedback loop of, okay, what happens from that point on between sales and that qualification layer back to marketing to augment that sales process? 
can marketing actually drive an improved sales velocity? And as well, for leads who are falling out of the funnel, they're perhaps not applicable or whatever, is marketing actually maximizing the database and um, using outreach to their advantage to keep these leads informed about their business, their brand, so that they can build advocacy? These are the things we're talking about when we're saying driving sales results. So yes, there's the obvious bit of sales velocity. Can you prove marketing pipeline? Can you show that these marketing initiatives actually um, get you extra top line that you would have not otherwise achieved? These are all fundamental things that any marketing agency would do. Sure, that's on the sales side, but there's the other side of it that needs to constantly feed back in, right? So the feedback loop and the, the more perhaps tangible bit that's often not talked about today in marketing is how do you convert your unknowns, your visitors who do not know who they are into actual marketable records where you have that value exchange, they're interested enough and you keep them engaged in your content. So that's where, you know, the marketing strategy, the creative side of promotion comes back in and tie it back into the very measurable sales piece. Gotcha. That, that unknown to known, we'll, we'll get back on, on that like um, later on in the, uh, in the conversation. Cause uh, at that point in time, I'd love to, to, um, you know, get your thoughts on where social sits in, uh, in that initiative, right? But uh, we'll, we'll cover that later on. But um, look, the, the fundamentals of B2B marketing is, you know, funnel orchestration. I think that's, you know, part of what you've, you've spoken about there, right? I would call it the three Vs of, uh, of sales, right? It's like, um, how do I increase the volume, the value and the velocity, right? It's like, um, but, um, you know, it, it, it's coming from being able to measure yeah, the the lead life cycle and, and get a 360 degree view of the customer, right? I know over at Market One, one of the, the big drivers that you're promoting at the moment is, you know, back to core roots and the core roots of, of marketing, right? Especially in the, the B2B industry that, uh, that you, you service and really refocusing that conversation as you started to do there, right? On, on the CX, on the customer experience, on the customer experience orchestration. Where does someone start in, in that initiative? And, and you know, if, if someone's saying, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I buy into it. I, uh, you know, I, need, I know I need to take a step back and I, I need to refocus things. Yeah, Income, income's market one. So like, um, you know, what's, what's the first piece of advice that, that you give to someone? Yeah, I, well, I guess, first of all, you know, the whole purpose of that initiative is to do away with all these other distractions, right? Marketing has a lot of pressures to achieve a multitude of things but this is a reminder that at the end of the day what are we actually orchestrating you're orchestrating a customer experience and what is that it is a buyer journey right so if we acknowledge okay sure this is the starting point this is my advice to people if you acknowledge okay at the end of the day you're orchestrating a buyer's journey there's a few things to recognize number one it's not linear right i know that there are let's say three four five stages from unaware aware and then engage and then purchasing whatever whatever you want to call those stages that's that's fine um so first of all there's the there's the acknowledgement of you need to track that but let's recognize it's non-linear and within each of those stages even within the group of let's say engaging now now they're they're, they're aware of your brand they're now engaging with you it's to address that within that group of engaging there are sub segments, right? So there are people who are new who are engaging. There are people who you know what they're interested in are now engaging. There are people who are, um, were engaging who are now dormant. What do you do with that, right? So 
if you can chart out, imagine a matrix of all of your wider journey stages and within underneath you have your subcategories, that is your starting point for how do I measure my entire marketing database to understand how effective I am as a marketing organization. And what I'll tell you is when we look at our customer base, <laughs> for the most part, over 70% of databases are actually inactive or unaddressed by marketing. These are simply names that have accumulated over time. They don't have a strategy to address it. What do you do? That's potentially, that's, there's an opportunity cost there that's not being recognized. So having this matrix gives back attention to those elements, but there's a couple starting points there. There's certainly, you can start with as a BI initiative where this is simply visibility. Let's look at the business and figure out what are the key initiatives that we want to use, do, to drive change, to drive movement from stage to stage so that that evolution happens and we know people are progressing down and eventually leads the pipeline. I think that's basic low hanging fruit. But the other bit is how do you then use that visibility as orchestration? And that's the interesting piece, right? If, if you have charted out this matrix of a buyer journey and the subcategories within, you can then use that as a segmentation engine. Imagine you had a data warehouse to do this. You can engineer the data sets. You can create the automated segments for individuals that fall within. And then you can create segments and recast those segments into your various technology platforms to do something, right? So you can recast it into market automation to nurture. Um, so it augments your segmentation there. You can recast it into your social listening initiatives to target individuals in the case you have ABM plays or key accounts, right? Things like that. There's certainly a little hanging fruit there, but there's a lot to do there. But you know, the too long didn't read version of what I'm saying is you can achieve this. There's technology out there that does this. It's called CDKs. We know that, right? But what if an organization is not yet ready to invest in a CDP or there is the political barrier of the company has already invested in all this data, data warehousing, and all this is run by IT today. And there's resistance to procuring a net new platform to achieve something like this. Can you work within your existing tool set to drive that? The answer is yes, you can engineer your own. In the world today where we have a lot of open APIs and web services for all these other tools, why wouldn't you? Especially if IT owns the majority of your stack. Gotcha. So look, what I'm hearing there as well, right, is that um, data is king or queen, depending upon uh, what, what your persuasion is. is, right? But, um, you know, data's, data's king or queen, right? But what are some of the struggles that you see with inside your customer base day in, day out, with inside sales and marketing um, with regards to data? And what are some of the quick wins that, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the listeners could, uh, could maybe pick up on and, and, and take back and take a look at? Okay, I, I wish I could give you easy answers for that. Go on, I sprinkle the pixie that. dust. Like, like there, go on, go on. Okay, look, look, there's common struggles are, first of all, <laughs> people, what's the word, inherit their systems, their platform processes, and it changes over time, and it's poorly governed, leads to poor data quality, right? Or worse, you have a poor data quality issue, and also you have a lack of actual governance issue process where people are not following specific things to drive clean business intelligence, even something as basic as that, right? That's, that's kind of the easy bit, I would call it. The harder bit is, look, marketing is huge now. It's, it's massive. And you have multiple platform owners and process owners within marketing that live on different teams, even though they're all marketing. And they don't all talk to each other. They all have their different initiatives. They're all driving towards their separate goals. But that's the thing. They're driving towards their separate goals. 
Marketing is still one business, but it does not operate as a single unit. And so that unification of process is hard, especially when you're talking about global. And it's hard, especially when you're talking about established teams who have uh, perhaps the um, drive, desire to prove that their process methodology is the one to follow. And if everybody's doing the same thing in, in this world of competition, then how do you actually go back to an environment where you can experiment holistically in a very agile manner to show what works and what doesn't across the entire business? Because that's what needs to be looked at at the end of the day, right? Um, these are huge challenges. Um, we're talking about B2B enterprise, right? So of course, these are the challenges. It's not gonna be the same situation for SMBs necessarily, but those are them. Um, the, the way to drive that though, or the way to impact that surely would be, um, you know, metrics, right? The, the, the metrics that uh, the CMO or, or senior leadership with inside the marketing or, um, organization uh, are using, right? It's like, um, because that, does that not, um, you know, hone everyone in yeah, on, on what's important or certainly what's important to the CMO, which hopefully is what's important you know, to it, the rest it, of the business. You're right. You're right. And it's a solid point. And I apologize for not speaking of that. Um, but I would say it's actually not as straightforward as what's expected at face value, right? Oftentimes, and perhaps I would argue the most appropriate way to do this that we see is an organization designs on a key KPI to focus on, right? And, and this is like a broader KPI. And the intention is for various department heads to take that and actually decode what's what it means for what they own to contribute to that top level KPI, yeah. right? And so, so the challenge here still then is everybody creates their own separate swim lanes and there's a lack of cross collaboration. Um, we well, see sometimes, sometimes it comes down to the, the, the language, right? It's like, um, you know, if, if, so some of the tr marketing transformation projects I've worked on over my career, right? It's yeah. like, um, you know, if, if we went back to some of those foundation stones that we had to lay, right? Some of it was just um, getting everyone to level set on such things as what is a campaign? I agree. The definitions right? are huge. Yeah, definitions, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 As you said earlier on, what, what is an MQL, right? If, if indeed we call it an MQL, right? It's like that's just the terminology we've all picked up from our friends at Serious Decisions, right? But, um, um, you know, it, it's, it's really like um, sometimes it's going right back to the basics and, and right back to, to the core, yeah, and, and just level setting everyone, um, you know, on on the, the, the parlance that we need to use um, across the business. Would you agree? You're right. So absolutely definitions for key terms. What is a lead? What is an MQL? What are the dispositions? What are the conditions for these to be met? And that sort of thing. I agree. Absolutely. But you know, the, the rigor that is lacking in large organizations is no one actually in marketing, or I would argue in most any department has the luxury of sitting inside and knows fully what's going on within those various departments that make up that whole, right? If, if that, if I articulated that appropriately, no one actually knows what are the gaps in each of the business areas and be used, like has a view on how to circumvent it. And so when you talk about what are the common data problems, what's a good initiative to engage in and what are the key KPIs that can really transform our organization? I agree, but, without that rigor being applied, it's, it's hard to achieve, right? Which is why you have these organizations spending like 
five years, even 10 years, pulling down single initiatives, when really, if it were an agile focused team, where none of this nonsense that I'm speaking about exists, you can do that in like, what, 18 months, you know? Um, but so that's where I would say, perhaps that's an advantage of in-source versus outsource. And I'd argue that's, that's the most important advantage where when you outsource to any professional services, ideally they're an organization who comes in, gets this full view lay of the land and presents it back to you so that you can fully understand, holy smokes, this is my business. These are the things that's going on that, that will steer these realignment discussions and in fact can inform changes of goals. Maybe they're misinformed. Maybe there's more things that need to be tackled ahead of time. And this extends the roadmap, but it is a more appropriate roadmap that's applicable to that organization. Yeah, what, what you're also um, bringing in though, right, is, is best practice. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, if we take market one, for example, you guys uh, you know, work with a magnitude yeah, of, of organizations, not just in one, one geo, right, across the world. Yes. So, so you, you're not just looking at it from, you know, with your blinkers on, right, inside the organization, which is, you know, if I was the CMO, it's like, um, you know, going through a, a marketing transformation, I'm, I'm looking inside the four walls of my organization, right? I'm not necessarily looking at what, um, you know, what good looks like or what great looks like outside my organization, because I, I may not have a view into it. Right. And that's that's part of the value of, of engaging someone like Market One. Right. Is the fact that you've done this you know, multiple times yeah, in multiple geographies and, and you're bringing that collective knowledge you know, back back to, to your customer base. Right? That's really it. It's it's you're right. It's it's about the mix of ingredients. Right. And yeah. if, you're, if, you, if you're looking for people who have seen more battles than most, there's really no better than a professional services agency for that where they have lived through deployment, they have lived through scaling, going through the, gone through the pains, but also sees what works in particular scenarios or even industries versus others, right? There's a lot of learnings from that. And so I, I guess, yeah, to reflect back on your comment of best practice, this is the thing with best practice. It constantly evolves, which it should. It's a moving goalpost because there's always learnings. We never stop, yeah? And so for organizations to find competitive advantage, that should also be the very thing. Be very selective about best practice because what was best practice yesterday doesn't necessarily give you an advantage tomorrow. Yep. Yep. I mean, the, the one thing that's constant, right, is change. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so, Sean, look, um, a single view of the customer, or as some would say, the 360 degree view of the customer, it's been the holy grail of uh, B2B organizations for, for many a year, right? It's the way that. Um, um, you know, I don't know, banks would, would look to service up, you know, next best offer. It's the way that, um, you know, we, we would look to, to put content in, in front of someone once they've, they've uh, you know, finished maybe a restream, et cetera. Um, how realistic is it? How possible is it to get that 360 degree view of the customer? And, and what's, what's holding some businesses back? I really like how you're framing the question. Um, look, uh, and the reason why I like is, is yes, this is a very common thing to desire. And why wouldn't you, why would you not want a full view on customer? Meaning, can I see everything they've interacted in, but things that influence them? What has this company done to attract them, et cetera, all the touch points, purchase history, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Meaningful. Sure. Agree. Here's the thing. 
it's also a lot of noise. It really is. Because if you're talking about, hey, I also want to see everything this customer ever transacted on, are all those things meaningful? Yes or no? And so to answer your question of, is it realistic? Yes, it is. I, I will still stand by, yes, it is. But this is where you have to be. We have to be careful. And that is single view of customer must be applied to very specific business scenarios. What do you want to do with it? You can't boil the ocean. You can't, like really, you want to create an engineered data set with every customer data point you have. It would be an insane undertaking. And I know, look, like credit card companies do this for security and whatnot. Yeah, of course. But even that is a specific business scenario that they're targeting with single view of customer. So what am I saying? You can achieve it, but you must be selective about how you start it and what scenarios you choose to tackle first. Because if you look at it as fundamental building blocks, then what are the components? What is the mix that you must start with first to improve whatever initiative you're trying to achieve, right? And so that could mean, let's create a single view of a customer to enhance customer experience. And what that means is, can I do this to better measure and achieve CRO? Can I also do this to orchestrate across platforms social, email, whatever channels um, so that we can be more hands-off and you create this engine where it suggests, hey, here's a group of customers. They belong in this program, this campaign, because of what we're seeing, because we can infer from activity, this is the next best action, right? So if you drill down to those kinds of variables, yes, that's what you would want to use it for. But to be realistic about the theme, this idea of 360 view of customer holistically, can you universally apply it? That's where it gets too much. And I think that's a, a mistake that people make who are not yet mature in this journey of attempting that kind of initiative. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Sean, you mentioned social as a channel there, right? It's like, um, it'd be remiss of me not to bring that into the conversation, surely. But, um, you know, what role do you see social playing in, in the whole Slack, um, you know, CX experience? Um, there's, there's actually, okay, so yeah, there's definitely a bunch of things, right? The benefit of social, first of all, is depending on where you acquired from, there's some good data to be had, right? At the, when you talk about, hey, I'm targeting individuals or accounts, I might not know who they are. That's really easy, low-hanging fruit to figure out who they are, right? Who are these if you're using a social media platform and they're interacting right away, you're going to know who they are. And can you use other services to deduce what accounts they belong to? Is that information accurate? Sure. There's that side. So this is the, the conversion data side for better targeting. Yes. Um, but there's also the, the outreach side, right? So there is the whole addressing top of funnel for marketing is huge. I don't know how often it's talked about in my world, perhaps it's, it's not addressed enough. Um, there's a lot of focus on mid funnel after you already know them and whatnot, but this is a huge side to orchestrate. And, but also it's a huge black hole, right? Huge black hole. That's difficult to scale. So when you're talking about how important social is, it's, it's a massive undertaking to optimize and needs to be a critical mix to everything that's going on. I would argue channels that are more top of funnel, such as social are actually more important to the customer experience than what's downstream. Because at the end of the day, if you can pull them in from those channels to begin with and, sh and show this value exchange of, yes, we're creating content that's engaging for you, that's meaningful. And if nothing else, it's a resource for you to use for research, education, whatever that value exchange may be, then that's the important bit. 
Um, and so social then becomes a very heavy anchor in that process. Cool. So, Sean, look, our time is drawing to an end, right? But before we go, I've got a few last questions, if you'll just humor me. Yeah, and these are coming out of total left field, so I apologize, right? We haven't had a chance to, uh, uh, to brief you on these. But, um, hey, is email dead? Look, my light's turned off right oh, at that time. Oh, my goodness. Hang oh, on. Let wow. Me just, let me just turn it back on again. Hang on. I've got to wave my arms around or something, haven't I? <laughs> well, they're not coming on, Sean. Look at that. There you go. Okay, nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, that, that's embarrassing. Look, there's a lot of connotation to that question. I will say what email was touted to be in the 90s is, not, is no longer what it is today, right? There's, it's lost its luster. It's not used the same way anymore, and it's very spammy. So in that regard, is, if you compare it to its heydays, is it dead? Sure, but it's not. It's not, it's grown, it's aged, it's a little bit of a different fitness level, but there is still the right time and place for it. It needs to be used right, right? At the end of the day, if we're talking about customer experience and being selective about the channels, one needs to look at the data to tell the story, right? Because I can make blanket statements about email all day long or any other channel, but how a company leverages that channel and what is the content behind it and when does it engage with their audience are critical pieces to the mix. So email is still valuable. Yes. Is it the same? It's not. There's a lot of other options. And so consider the mix. I know it's not a perfect answer and it's, it's, no, no, it's I love that answer. I, I love two bits of it actually specifically, and I'm going to call it out again, right? Email is aged. Yeah, and its fitness level has changed. I love that. That's that's. I'm I'm going to use that, right? It's like you haven't trademarked it anywhere, have you? Uh, hey, um, no, that's a, that's a you know great great shout. Thanks, Sean. So so Sean, look, tell us something about you, right? Tell us something about Sean the man. Something that uh, you know we wouldn't be able to find on your social media profiles anywhere. Something you wouldn't be able to find on my social media. Oh, there's yeah, something about you behind. Um, so I'm a bike racer, bicycle, I race road and track, uh, competed in nationals. I was lucky enough and I'm really using that word seriously, lucky enough to come third in Canada, uh, last year, uh, in scratch race track for masters. Um, but yeah, a little serious what number, about it. What number were you wearing then? Which, which one of those ones on the wall behind you was, was on your Jersey that day? Uh, it's one of these ones, 204, 2011. These are the national competition ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, so one would assume um, the reason you've got doubles up there is one's front, one's back? Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah. they're both back. They're in different orientations. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Excellent. So we've had, we've had a chess player. We've had cyclists. You know, we, we've had a whole like, um, you know, um, um, spectrum of, of talents outside of the, uh, the, the workplace. Um, Sean, can you tell um, our listeners, you know, where they can find more out about the great work that uh, Market One are doing, and and indeed, if they want to go and socially stalk you, it's like, um, what's the best way to find you? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, so, Market One, it, just go to marketone.com. It's M-A-R-K-E-T-O-N-E. So it's Market One, fully spelled out. dot com. There's an article section with our latest thought leadership. There's a lot of new content being flushed out there. I would encourage people to go look at that. Um, if you're talking about what are the learnings from the industry and what's the latest dialogue that C-level executives are having, that's the kind of content we're putting out there. 
Um, and LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn, Sean Ma, S-H-A-U-N, and Ma is M-A, Sean Ma, easy. Excellent. Sean Ma, thank you so, so much for your time and thank you for joining the conversation today. Colin, thank you for the time. This was great.